You are listening to KBOO Portland. The time is 7 o'clock in the p.m. And next is Keeping It Real. Uh, tonight we are re-airing an episode from November of 2018. This is just a couple of months ago. This is going to be Keeping It Real in just a few minutes, so stay tuned. This is your community radio station, KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio is requesting proposals for a grant writer to provide ongoing grant writing services and application support. This is a one-year contract position for 200 hours compensated at $25 an hour. Proposals must be submitted electronically to Delphine Crescenzo, station manager at Dell, that's D-E-L, at kbu.fm. Proposals are due Friday, January 4th at 5 p.m. Responsibilities, background information, the scope of work, and proposal requirements can be found at kboo.fm slash grantwriter2018. KBOO Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor a screening of the film From Shock to Awe, A Journey of Hope and Transformation on Thursday, January 10th at 7 p.m. at Regal Cinema's Pioneer Place in Portland. The film hosts the path of two combat veterans from the Iraq War as they live with post-traumatic stress, the lack of effective treatment, and their search for healing. This is a crowdsourced event and tickets are currently available for purchase. There will be a brief Q&A following the film. Again, that's a screening of the film From Shock to Awe, A Journey of Hope and Transformation on Thursday, January 10th at 7 p.m. at Regal Cinemas Pioneer Place, 340 Southwest Morrison Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right-hand side of the homepage under Community Events. Destination of death. When I'm laying the rest, I'm only saving my breath. The northwest fills the lungs, kills the pain in my chest. Take six quarters out of the pocket and drop it in the box. Hop the 48 off to pay homage. It stops off and I jot my observations. Watching citizens walking off of the Joe Metropolitan. Yeah. Proletarians and wayward sons with old Filipino men speaking in their native tongue. And the day has just begun. Greeted by the scent of a bum, smelling something like beer, barf, and dung. A brother in Jabos in the back, all alone, marinating. And in a pair of half-broken headphones Mumbling rhymes Same time begin to pen mine Appreciating God's design Rewind sister Reminds me of a smile in the back of my memory Wonder if I see her again Will she remember me? I'm not trying to holler, I swear I'm just weary of the way we hop a ride And just sit there and stare Prepare for my 9 o'clock work meeting A couple pale folks slide right by with no Yo, Portland What's going on? We're back with another episode of Keeping It Real Shout out to Nick Deasy He's not present with us He's been busy lately, but still got love for you, young DZ. And, you know, you still got a space here. Um, other than that, I have a couple of important guests today. One is on the way. However, the other, none other than my brother, <laughs> Ill Will. <laughs> Thank you. What's going on, man? Welcome to the family. Man, I really appreciate it. How you doing, man? What's going on? What's new? It's been a while. Man, um... I've been I just been back in Portland for about six months. I finished uh-huh. a master's of teaching English program in New York at Columbia. Okay. And so I got some different experiences there that I can relate to my experiences working here in, in Portland in the North Portland community. And man, you asked me a question earlier mm-hmm. and I and I would like to answer that, but I also want to keep it balanced. So I'm okay. gonna throughout this somehow find a question that I can ask you. Okay. Sounds good. Um so let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so what's up? So, you know, uh, this is not your first time here, right? And last time you came here, we talked a lot about gentrification. Uh, we talked about, you know, your your work and, you know, and 
uh, in North Portland. And we also just kind of, you know, touched up on uh, some of the impact that you've been able to make, you know, for your younger kids um, in the community. Um, and now, you know, you you got your master's degree. Um, you know, you've had a couple of months, uh, you know, about six months back in Portland. Um, so let's talk a, a little bit about your, like, perspective, right? Um, usually people get their degrees and then go into job search and all that stress that comes with that. What have you been doing? So I have kind of an unorthodox path. And um, truthfully, I haven't shared this with that many people, only people that's close to me. But I'm going through some physical and mental things right now that is partly in my control, which I feel empowered, and partly is out of my control, which is a bit scary. And anybody, I'm living at home with my parents right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not working a full-time job. And for anybody that has to take a deviation on their path that they think is linear, that they're just keeping on rising, um, I'll say to you, keep going, stay strong. It's not always linear. right? And that's kind of a daily... Um, a daily challenge for me but what I have been doing is keeping my mind really focused on what uh, what my values are um, and that is really has been highlighted um, by this recent election so um, I've been kind of trying to stay in uh, with activism mm -hmm. a bit, did a couple canvases um, and have been so got to talk to a lot of people uh, about their about democracy about the voting process um and then just kind of congratulating people for participating um it's really tough when you meet someone who feels like they are disenfranchised that their voice does not count that they are kind of invisible and can't impact their life or the life of others and so one thing so what I've been, you asked me, I don't want to stray from your question. What I've been up to has been really thinking about different ways that teachers can approach the classroom and approach students or just generally uh, a community that has power. Let's say the teachers are um, an adult community that has some type of power or direction that uh, makes them stable in society, mm -hmm. helping a population, youth overall, underserved youth even more importantly, uh, that doesn't have much agency or, or power and how can that classroom dynamic help uh, the students feel like they are going to attain that and already really already possess a lot of that right so what I've been thinking about is um, just how each person's human experience is automatically a book of knowledge that is valuable not just to that teacher in the classroom to their peers to many others if they're willing to look at themselves critically and appreciate themselves and then appreciate the other youth that are going through the same thing with them this leads me to the greater uh kind of more all-encompassing human experience if you can see that someone else has gone through something that's even remotely similar to you that is uh that's a connection and i think that that's worth fighting for um but one th one thing that I'll share um, that these elections you you've probably been hearing <laughs> about <laughs> elections all day, so hey. people might be tired of it. But um, I ran into a friend, um, an old acquaintance, uh, who is Andrea Miller. She's director of CAUSA, uh -huh. a nonprofit organization um, that works to advocate for communities okay. and help them participate in democracy as well. And it was a brief exchange. We're not super close, but I just saw her and I, I support her and I support her work. Um, and she, I just asked her how it was going, how the campaign was going. And she said, currently we are just focusing on measure 105, mm -hmm. which was a measure, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that was brought to the ballot by a conservative group um, that is repealing a law that that was trying to repeal a law that um made Oregon a sanctuary state yeah um essentially if that law would have if that measure would have passed it would have allowed police officers to 
racially profile, mm -hmm. which would have disproportionately affected immigrants that are undocumented. And so, and I'm, I'm a bit emotional about this, honestly. Um, she said that's the only thing that they are focusing on in a race that had an election that had a lot of uh, important right. measures going on. Right. And I'm thinking, wow, like all these other measures could use your support as well. But I really thought about it. She didn't make that decision lightly. Um, that is the, to me, the most important takeaway from yesterday's results mm -hmm. is she wanted to focus on a measure that if it was voted no would make a huge statement that we as a people are not going to accept other people basically we're not going to accept other people being abused and being labeled and judged and um other we won't accept it for ourselves right. because many voters were thinking this could be me but many voters were also thinking that could be my neighbor yeah that could be someone that i don't even know Right. But I don't even want to hear about it. I don't want this to happen at all. And so, and that was, I don't remember the percentage points, but it was smashed. It was no way. Yeah. Um, that it was no, to, to clarify, it was no way that there, that the people of Oregon were going to accept there to be racial profiling here. Right. Right. Um, and so that really struck me because that's at the core to me of all these other issues. Right. And I, and I constantly when I'm thinking about democracy and thinking about, um, I mean, what, what democracy supposedly is yeah. and, and what it can be if it really is upheld. Yeah. Um, it can be representative. It can be fair. And the reason why that measure I think was the most important one and, and kind of a statement, really kind of a statement of a movement and a, a cultural change uh, in, in Oregon or, or perhaps we see ripple effects across the country is because affordable housing measure, um, taxing um, corporations on, on yeah. groceries. Yeah. These things seem like they're kind of disconnected, but really it's, um, to me... Uh, deconcentrating mm -hmm. the power and money which will go back into people the people that need it and help people to have a fair in existence and have freedom so if let's say one of if if 105 it didn't pass so that means that uh we don't want to see um that that's that it's unacceptable to treat people that way right in a face-to-face -face manner and with potential deportation, really severe things. It's also un unacceptable to treat people in a way that they're not able to have a home and a roof like a and a steady place food. to right, stay right. without the threat of displacement, without right. the threat of in five to 10 years, your rent getting raised, groceries too expensive, different things like that. Um, so it, to me, if I've articulated that clearly, what I'm trying to say is I think that they're related. If you can see someone as a deserving person that is at least in some way similar to you, mm -hmm. shares some type of joy, triumph, sorrow, like, just like you, then you would like for them to also be able to have a stable home. Right. And right. a stable path to the future. Basic human rights. It's basic. It seems basic. basic. human rights. Yes. Right? At its own, like at the very core. To some it's radical. Everybody deserves a home. Everybody deserves, you know, affordable, affordable housing. You know what I'm saying? Food on the table. The right to uh, reproductive rights. Yeah, and, and you know, like, men cannot be telling women what to do with their bodies. I, I'm sorry, I don't understand that, right? Um, and speaking of women, we have a very powerful uh, woman who just <coughs> stepped on the scene. Uh, we have Miriam here with us. What's up, Miriam? How you doing? What's up? What's up? I'm good. Welcome I'm to good. Keeping It Real. Thank you. It's good uh, to be here. This is your first time here, right? It is. It is. All it's right. my first time. It's amazing. I, a lot of, I told people I was coming here and they, they were like happy me. I'm like, yes, do it. Tell me how, oh. you know, tell me how it is. And yeah, so thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. And yeah. you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Miriam is also an educator. Uh, she works with me. Turn up. Um, and... Um, you know, we both have similar stories in which, you know, both born in the Middle East and made it here, yep. you know. Yep. Um, 
and work in the same building and work in the, the same, same school that is beautiful the same amazing lives like and what you know what i'm what? saying in arabic <laughs> is a language being taught there uh-huh. now i'm so happy watch out portland watch, watch out, out. <laughs> so Miriam, i'm gonna talk about a few things that uh will here has touched up on will's yeah. also a person who's into education um a good friend of mine um and you know and i want to hear your perspective on a few of those issues as well right um so the first thing uh we talked about was will just finished his master's in new york uh new yorkers here hey, new, new york yorkers in the in house yes. where at uh columbia okay that's awesome yeah so Congrats, they both thank yeah. you right so yeah. will finished his degree and came back to portland and we were yeah. just talking about this because there's a lot of like societal stresses right on you know what i'm saying people to you need to go to college you need to find a job and blah 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 but the idea is that um you always have to find you know what i'm saying a place where you feel comfortable where you know what i'm saying you're invested mm-hmm. and at the same time it has to be the right timing right you can't rush things and what i really like about will is the idea that he's doing it his way right um mm-hmm. he's not doing it how anybody else is doing he's doing how will would do it um that comes with this idea that we talked about of balance, right? Uh, Will is into music and, you know what I'm saying, has, has been exploring that path. Um, and on the other lane, he's been also like working part-time and just looking into education and, right, you right. know, um, trying to empower youth the same way he was doing before he left here um, and in New York. But with that, we came to the elections, mm-hmm. right? Um, first of all, um, so many women. Yes, ladies. Yes. Were elected, oh my God. Yeah. Right. This is a huge yeah. step to me. Yeah. I think women are, and women of color, both yeah. women of color, yeah. and the, the barriers are being broken down. Yeah. Right. Uh, is it the end of the road? No. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we're making progress, I believe. And at the same time, we're talking about a couple of the measures. Um, you know that were in the ballot right, right. Um, and got voted on yesterday and one of those was 105 yeah um, uh, which was about the sanctuary state in Portland right, right, right. but the other was uh, there was also one about um, uh, remind the the, the food the right? food, the the food taxes yeah, the tax. and then um, what was the last one there was affordable housing affordable housing, housing. yeah and so with all of these measures yeah in place too right um we were just looking at the holistic approach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, saying that the sanctuary state, Measure 105, yeah. was at the heart of all those things, right? Mm, yeah. Um, because if that, you know what I'm saying, if, if Oregon's no longer a sanctuary state, um, then that displaces many people, right? Yeah. And as educators, we see what it's like when kids are not showing up to school because they're afraid mm-hmm. of ICE or, you know, yeah. and to me, that's heartbreaking, yeah. right? Some of these kids depend on uh, you know what I'm saying, the school to provide them with education, but also with food and a safe place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so coming from a place of education, being an immigrant, mm-hmm. how does, how, what, what, what are some of your views on this? And also being a colored woman. Right, right. I think, I, I mean, um, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to like, I, I love when people get an education and go back. Whatever go whatever back means, and back can mean so many different things. It doesn't have to be a physical location, but just going back and kind of doing it your own way and um, reappropriating those institutional forces mm-hmm. to have these conversations or to to integrate it between music, education, whatever that brings you together, that brings your people and all your peoples together. So just thank you. I don't know. I didn't even I know the rest of your that. journey, thank but you. that sounded that that was you know that just like. It's made me feel affirmed mm-hmm. you know it made, when the more you hear it if you're trying to do that more like yes yes i see you you see me you know yeah. of trying to reappropriate like institutional power towards um towards something revolutionary really or something radical and that's you know the i think like what the way that i've been thinking a lot about those measures is m- the act of voting on those measures more than the actual measures this time I think like the measures are definitely um, it's interesting that the series of measures that I saw on the ballot yesterday and this is my first year of voting in Portland right. you know um, Congrats. Turn <laughs> thank up. you thank you <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, the way that you know I feel like they were all measures that reminded me of 
all these conversations I've been hearing since I moved here where it's like Portland has this image of pretending to be progressive or actually being about what it what it purports to be like as far as the the image of it right. you know it relates to uh, there was one that was directly related to economics and taxation mm-hmm. one that's relating to housing and displacement and i one and i'm going to pause there about the, with the one on housing displacement and also on being a sanctuary state i was so bummed my first year in portland because i didn't hear the word gentrification being mentioned as much as I've seen it happen. Mm. And that was different from Brooklyn. And that was different from Florida. Like the couple of, the, the half my life that I lived in the US, I felt like I heard the word as much as I've seen it happen. I heard the critique. I heard the pushback. I even heard the defenses. Mm-hmm. And here it was like, there was deaf right? tone. Yeah, yeah, there was a silence mm-hmm. until I started to seek out the communities where I felt resonance. And that's when I started to hear it. And, it's, and that made me realize I don't even think that imi- when it comes to the image of Portland, I think it actually does a disservice to the radical communities here. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that, yes, Portland, you can say that it's more conservative than a certain image it gives, but you can also say the opposite. It's That image is more conservative than what right. the actual radical communities are doing inside Portland. Right. These radical communities are underrepresented. Like it's not, it's much better than what you would think of as a liberal utopia. It's even better than that. It has its radical communities. They're just not, It, it's like not the image that a city would want if it wants to be like the, per, like the, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it doesn't go the on the tour guide. Exactly, uh, it doesn't yeah. go on the tour guide. They want it to seem like safe and, and friendly, right? Right. But, but these are issues that exactly. is affecting people. Um, I know I have somebody on the phone, somebody special that is. Um, Nick Deasy, what's going on, my man? What's up, bro? What's up with you? We miss you. <laughs> Man, I've been working a lot, bro. I wish I could be there. Hey, you know what? Your presence has always felt here, my brother. What's What's going on with you? How is my brother doing? I'm doing good, bad, good. Hey, you know, this is part of adulting, right? Adulting has hit you hard, but, you know, we're, we're rooting for you. Thank you, bro. Yeah, just, uh, I want to be back too, but... I got too much going on right now that I gotta stay working so I can be ready. Okay, uh, let me ask you a quick question, man. Um, what's new with you, man? T- let's let's talk about your growth real quick. My world. Your growth, yeah. Like, what's going on? I heard Blue Ivy got hurt. I'm sorry, that's his car, people. Oh you know how much Nick Dizzy loved that's his car. My baby. <laughs> uh, we we got hit by someone. Um, she got like frame damage and you know she's all right i I got most of the dent out okay um took some cutting compound a little bit of paint she's looking better but you know at the end of the day everyone in my car was good and the other driver who hit us was good so that's all that matters that's good i'm glad you you're looking at it from such a positive and, and a healthy perspective um yeah so when should the people expect you back over here Bro, I don't know. I mean, I, I got, I got. Well, I'm just saying, I got my family moving. Everybody. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be the only one here on, the, on this side of the state. So. Okay. Um, everyone else is, everyone else is moving out to almost Idaho. Oh man, that's deep. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm getting into a new place, and you're not leaving, are you? Because you know I'm. No, bro. I'm not letting I, you. I, I'm saying, I'm staying here. That, that, that's why I've been working so much, man. It's to see if I can get into a place. Um. I got one right now, but I'm staying. Um, my family should be moving here soon. Okay. The house is hopefully going to sell soon. Um, you know, it's, I, I got to look at it like, you know, the, the only house that I really know since I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's gonna, not going to be ours no more, but they're doing it to better them. It, it was hard to, to accept, you know, my mom said that she was going to stay here and just let her move go, and she was going to stay here with me, but I, I had to sit down with them and told her, like, Mom, I... You know, I I can't work on 124th and Division and be way out here and yeah. come to the north to make sure she's okay 24 seven. So I'm I'm with the money right, and um, she, she she's going out with them too. That's good, man. You know, and you know, uh, your family means a lot to me. You know, and I see your mom on daily yeah. basis on her way to get her coffee in the morning. And you know, I'm 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 very happy that you're doing the responsible thing, and you want your mom to be good. You know. At the same yeah. time, I want you to make sure that you're doing your self-care, that you, you know, like that you're getting the rest you need. Don't let that stress get you. 
Oh man, I'm good, bro. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm not gonna. Hey, that's you know, good. I'm, I'm not gonna say that I'm not worrying, but my worries are gone now that I know she's not gonna be here no more, and she's gonna be somewhere where the most stuff that goes on in that neighborhood is, you know, someone's riding their little full of bullets. That's good. And you know, we got nothing but love for you, brother. I can't man, wait for you to be back. <laughs> I, I can't wait to be back, man. I still love this show. I still tell everyone about it. Hey, you know that's that's the new DZ and Aron show. Man, I still wear that t shirt. I still wear that t shirt that we got, bro. Me too. I still got the beanie too, but my head got a little bit bigger than it. So you're gonna have to make a new one. Man, mine's been big. Well, my brother, the beanie didn't fit after I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna get you back. Um, You know, I got nothing but love for you, but we're gonna continue this conversation, okay? Yeah. All right, man. Much love to you, dudes. To cable. To everyone. Everyone have a great night. Drive safe. Everything. Will do, brother. Much love to you, too. All right, bro. Take care. All right, man. All right. Bye-bye. So y'all heard from Nick Deasy. He's one of the staples of this show, of course. You know, he's the the, the other leg. Um, and so well, we're going to head back to our conversation. Uh, Miriam, you made many good points, and I'm sorry we... You know, we had to take care of this phone conversation. That was a pleasure. But, no, I love that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, sorry for interrupting you, but yeah, no, go ahead and, and carry on. So... Yeah. You know, you talked about that gentrification, right? And you said that in Portland, which is something, you know, that I also recognize and I'm sure a lot of other Portlandians do, um, it's hidden, mm-hmm. right? Just like many other problems yeah. in Portland, whether it's trafficking and, and, and gang violence, right? Exactly. Um, and I think that there is this touristy side to Portland that the city loves to show, right? But these are all issues, if not taken care of, it could get worse. Right. Which is it's already bad. Right. Um, and so I, I'm not sure what it was like in New York. And I have two people here who's lived in the city. Right. For at least a year plus. Right. So this is an open ended question to both of you. What, when you compare those two. Right. Where, where does for, like where does Portland fall on that spectrum? And like what do you all think are some of the ways we can combat those things? I'll say something short, and I think that you can blow it up. You can expand it. Mm. One thing about, I'm a native Portlander. I spent the last two years in New York. Got a taste, but I really, Portland is my home. When I see what I saw in New York with gentrification, I lived in Harlem, near, right, Harlem, Columbia area. Yeah. Um, There's a, you can see they just got a Whole Foods the rents are rising. There's a Soha Realty, South Harlem. Mm-hmm. Residents of Harlem had no. There's, there's never. There's no such thing as Soha. Exactly. So, these things are happening, and, but there's so many people that are so established that the com- communities are just from sheer population density are able to maintain some semblance of community in Portland, if you are a family on one block and another family that is of your racial or cultural affinity moves off you feel that because that there might not be that many Mm. the density is not uh the same so i think that in terms of there's that aspect and then in terms of the visual when a lot of people think of Portland as a lot of people that move here I feel like think oh Portland was just a little podunk town there was nothing even here before right and so when you see a block that had single story homes that was a calm block and now it's uh has these two and three story block houses with no yards and the trees have been cut down the visual onslaught of that is really striking as well it's not only do I not see people that look like me in, in the neighborhood anymore it's that I don't even recognize my friend's old house or um, mm. it, it, it's. I think the visual component is a little stronger in Portland than it is in New York what do you think about that? That was really well said I um, I focused more like in my mind on the visual component and now you gave me something to think about too with um, just that feeling of that you know kind of like um, the assumption of a vacuum of community and really it's more intentional it's more like 
it's like sometimes it, it does feel like an intentional disfranchisement of a community you know instead of just a vacuum instead of like it's never here and then you know I spend a little longer here and I find out about the history of Portland whether it's listening to people or research and I find out it was here mm-hmm. you know but there's the assumption that it was never here to begin with mm-hmm. whereas in Great New point. York it leaves a dent if you're going to kick some people out they're going to leave a dent like and it, because of the you know and it could be I'm not really sure because of like what the reasons that provide for that dent to be possible are uh-huh. but I like what you said about the density I think that could be part of it and yeah but okay. I heard that there was a phone yeah call. we have we have a caller and, and after that we're going to take a break and play a song by FKJ called um, uh, what was it called not waiting 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 featuring Madeline Grant waiting. there we'll go um, so Dempsey's on the phone with us how you doing I'm doing good how you guys doing good good so what do you have for us today, Dempsey? Well, um, I, I live in Salem, but uh, Portland's, you know, it's my home. I grew up uh, in the Irving area. Okay. Uh, graduated from Jefferson High School. Jeff, okay. A year after that, um, 1988, um, around that time, the, the skinheads were starting to become more militant and more racist. And they're going around attacking people in Portland whenever, if they saw an Asian person or a or if they thought someone was a Jew or someone's black, they're right. attacking people. Uh-huh. And uh, that's that's when Mulugeta uh, Sarah, yep. Ethiopian uh, immigrant, yeah. he was uh, he was a college student. He was working, and he's escaping violence, mm-hmm. trying to make a better life. But he ended up um, being killed on the streets of Portland by racist skinheads. And uh, there's a commemoration for him next week on Tuesday. I know that KBU sponsoring. Urban League is hosting, and there's a bunch of other people sponsoring. And I, I wanted the opportunity to, you know, promote a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, what you know, time I, is it? Uh, it is uh, two next week Tuesday. Uh huh. It's starting at nine in the morning. Um, I, I don't have the address with me, but you, if people want to know more information, they can go to the Urban League website. But they can also go on Facebook and like search Urban League, and you'll see that. Okay. Um, and especially, I know that they really want Portland's young people to show up. Okay. It's kind of um, a hard thing to, you know, because it's during the school day. It's going to be hard for them to get out. But I know that, you know, it's really important for the young people in Portland to know about these things and have the opportunity to let their voices be heard. You know, you know, Dempsey, that's a, a very important point. And I think uh, one thing that three of us teachers here can agree on is that we all love field trips. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, we're going to look into that, too. Um, now, you said that you grew up, uh, you know, in the Jeff er- Jefferson area, right? That's the north yeah. northeast mm-hmm. Portland, right? And, yes, I do. And, you know, uh, based on your uh, experiences, uh, how, how many years would you say you lived in Portland? Uh, it's hard to say. My, my family moved from California when I was real small. Okay. So, um, and uh, I came to Irving neighborhood when I was probably like four, five okay. years old, something like that. Okay. And have you had the chance to drive through that same neighborhood today, like in this in this time? Oh, yeah. And uh, what did you it's think? Not what I remember, you know, it's not like when I grew up. My my neighborhood was a mostly African American neighborhood. Um, and then I left the country. I was living in Taiwan for twelve years, okay. and during the time I was gone, once in a while I would come back, and I would look around and say, where are my neighbors at? Man. They were either, they were old people who were retired or died or they were young people who sold their houses. Yeah. And then more and more uh, young white people came in um, and the neighbors completely changed. It's not, it's not like what I remember it being. So, okay. Well, you know, Dempsey, um, uh, we really appreciate your phone call and we really appreciate you uh, plugging in um, the, the event to celebrate uh, Mulugeta's life. Um, you know, and so what we're gonna do is we're going to go ahead and make that announcement as well before the end of the show. I'll make sure Great. to plug you Great. in one more time, okay? Okay. All Sounds right. Good. Well, thank you so much for your phone call. Um, we are going to go uh and take a little break. Uh, we were listening to FKJ. Um, and who is the featured? This vocalist is the lovely Madeline Grant. And the song is called Waiting. Thank you. 
favorite songs portland you know uh they're coming to concert uh so look them up fkj uh real good music fun music uh good running music for those of you who like to run um now we're gonna go back to our conversation because there is so much depth in this conversation and we got to hear from Dempsey, um and we talked about mulugeta who was um, assassinated uh by some skinheads uh, here in Portland. Uh, there's going to be uh, a, uh, a memorial service for him on Tuesday at 9 a.m. If you need any more information on that, you could go to the Urban League uh, website or you can also look them up. If you look up Urban League on Facebook, there should be some information there for you. Um, Portland, feel free to call us with your perspective. Uh, you know, this is uh, a station for the people and by the people. And so, you know, this is a platform for you to be heard. Um, um, the number, what is the number, Delphi? You want to plug it in for me? Okay, sure, I will. <laughs> 503-231-8187. Sorry, I wanted to say, hi, Miriam. I'm happy you're here. Hi, thank <laughs> you for having me. <laughs> so, um, with that being said, uh, I'm going to switch the lanes, uh, you know, just a little bit, okay? Just a little bit. We're going to switch over to Egypt. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about your journey, Miriam. Oh, man, let's do it. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, funny enough, I was going to kind of try to loop back the issue about gentrification back to that at some point. But um, 
I mean, you know, I was born there. Um, most of the time, so I'm teaching now at uh, POIC. I teach high school, and I spent half of that time that I was in high school was in Egypt, and the other half was here in the U.S. Um, and um, yeah, it was just. It's a. It's funny how. I feel like sometimes with that um, experience of immigration, and even more so with friends I've had through the years who came through um, other systems that were less privileged as far as documentation, asylum, and um, being in between documented and undocumented. And I almost almost had an experience of that, but I I was very privileged that I had um, some sort of route through quote-unquote paperwork. But, hey, I'm saying quote-unquote, but it, it makes a big difference when it comes to flesh and blood. And um, you kind of feel like this sort of um, there's a part of you, and it, it's not it's not tragic. It's actually very intellectual and very beautiful. But there's a part of you that knows what loss means for for a very. It's kind of just becomes part of who you are, mm. because you become not of either world in a way. Um, whether it's um, your cultural references, the smells and sounds that are familiar to you, there's always something lost. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and with everything that you gain, you kind of have that perspective of I'm, I'm gaining a new community, but there's a sense of home that may not happen again, or I'm not going to see again, or, but then there's gratitude for that, right? Like the sense of home that you get in the moment is is what you make of it. That's what I get. Like what the idea of home is not as granted anymore. So it becomes about cultivating home. Right. And cultivating um, the responsibility of home and the joy of home, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I w- I've been wanting to ask you this question since I found out you wanted to come on the show. Mm. Um, being somebody who had similar paths to you, mm. um, you know, I'm Eritrean, born and raised in Yemen, and then moved to the U.S. And mm. one thing, even like in high school, I remember I really struggled with this. Um, not a lot of people know about that was that I didn't feel the sense of belonging. Like, I fit in at school, and, like, I was doing sports and blah, 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 like, all that. But deep, deep, deep inside, like, I didn't feel like I belonged there mm-hmm. um, because I felt it, right? There, there there was always, like, these, like, certain things that were missing, right, mm-hmm. from this culture that I hadn't experienced as a child. And then in Yemen, I, I didn't feel like I belonged either because... Mm-hmm. I was an Eritrean there, mm-hmm. right? They didn't consider me, even though I was born and raised there. I wasn't considered mm-hmm. as uh, an equal or somebody yeah. who's from that place. And then Eritreans don't consider me that because of, you know, like my background right. where I was born and raised, right. right? So there was always this dilemma, like, where do I yeah. fit, right? And it eventually I figure it out, make your own lane, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but did you struggle with these with similar issues? I did, and um, I did like within my own context. I certainly did. My, um, I come from a lineage of Sufi Muslims, mm-hmm. and that was um, so. I belonged to the majority religion in Egypt, but in a way that could not be very expressed. That would be um, at times kind of held suspect if I were to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving here, it was sort of it was this idea of being a minoritized religion and feeling what that's like, you know, and then a um, kind of a demonized religion on top yeah. of that. Um, there's also the layer of um, being queer but feeling unaccepted by the queer American community in the large sense and feeling unaccepted as a queer person, period, um, back in, in Egypt. And then kind of uh, through study and through, you know, and it's part of what pushed me to take all these loans and kind of go to school was yeah. finding about all the different layers, all the things that we assume we've always been that way and will always be that way, or it's always been. Humans have always been black, or our country's always been our culture. Right. It's never that, ever. It evolves, See, right. Always evolves. Yeah. Always, and sometimes devolves, too, and yeah. to, to come to terms with that and to find out my own sense of like queerness from these pieces of history of, you know, different lives within Egypt and surrounding countries and also different communities here that may not be what we see represented as queerness you know what i mean yeah um i remember us and in, in, in our meetings and stuff talking mm-hmm. about certain things right mm-hmm. um one of the things we've been trying to do is make our school more inclusive mm-hmm. right and i overheard you say that you worked um with a lot of people who were trying to figure out where they were on that spectrum mm-hmm. right um who've 
of course, like many other minorities, been shut down mm-hmm. uh, or their voices been like pushed back, right? Um, can you talk about that work that you were doing? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. I, I love, no, no, thank you for bringing that up. I loved, you know, shout out Tarab NYC. I don't know if you'll ever hear this. Tarab NYC. Tarab NYC. Shout out Tarab NYC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, you know, it was the most amazing, um, one of the most amazing work I've probably ever done. It was free and it was on a, but I was just so excited to be on the board for something. I think another thing too, like, um, you know, in New York in school, I felt, I felt it, it was wonderful to be for the first time in an environment of majority people from Arab and North African environment. That's very new to me in the U.S., but most of them were middle class or educated class. And I, right. you know, I'm from a working class family. So it's funny to have this other layer, like all these shifting layers. And um, and then outside of that, I found the queer Arab community and North African community. And Tarab NYC was this nonprofit that was doing um, everything from parties to town halls to just everything. And I just jumped on board. And the neighbor who was like, you know, he was like our unofficial auntie slash grandma <laughs> slash feed, he fed us just everything. And he lived like a five minute walking distance from me. And it was just the most, the luckiest thing. Yeah. So I ended up really participating in the community and it was really great. Be honest with you, and this is not a common experience for me. I feel like here, it's really interesting being back in in Portland and, you know, I'm I'm new to Portland, but I feel like I'm back to Portland in a different sense where and what I mean by that is not being in an environment where people where my first language is heard often or people yeah. even can read what I am mm-hmm. so a lot of the what is perceived as racial ambiguity ends up becoming a moral responsibility for me like where do I fit in that you right. know what what do I do with that what do I do right. with being um, not historically part of the racial ambiguity I represent but also some of the benefits from it like right. what do I do with that but in, in New York it was around mostly you know, I'm a shy person, but it was mostly people who were like, I got a little bit of that assumed home sense where I can call out somebody on their anti-blackness like that yeah. without it. Cause I'm like, I speak your language, like shut up, you yeah, know, yeah. and shut up with love. It's like, yeah. nah, I'm going to keep you in check. Yeah. Or I can call out somebody on their like anti-trans bias, even within the LGBT. I'm like, no, nah. or I can even get called out myself. Like, right. Mariam, I don't think you thought about that, you know? Yeah. And especially like sometimes I used to hold, but I'm working class, y'all don't understand, y'all don't, and they're like, no, you need to like stop, you need to kind of analyze that and not use it as a way to keep a layer between you and us. Like there were, that was a big moment for me where right. I was checking my own biases too. There was this bluntness that I missed. And it's York, not yeah. just, it's not, I mean, it's New York bluntness, but I feel like it's feeling, it's being granted license that your belief to someone who loves the community and is yeah. loved and is, working doing your work putting in your homework and now you're sharing what you got and that is such a an amazing feeling and i think that's when i started to see even the belonging that i used to exclusively see as like white privilege now i'm like that's a sense of belonging that everyone should feel like feeling like i don't know feeling like you're not you're not owed so you you don't owe something for being on this earth and right. for feeling at home in it yeah for being looked at for being seen and to have that to turn that from a right to a privilege is it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking and that's what happens when communities are broken up that's what happens when you're estranged that's what that feeling of like you can just sit around and just kind of experiment and be yeah and you know, express and emote and Just feeling being like your best self. Yeah, yeah, being your best self. I love that being your best self and working and resting at the same time because you're in that community. You know, yeah. like kind of reminds me of. You know, I I was mentioning this to a couple of students when uh, my mom's my mom's community in Egypt. You know, it's thought of as like, you know, sometimes my like other people in my family they would they would kind of like talk trash about it outside, but once they're in it, they're totally it. Yeah. Like they're like, no, we're not that anymore. We we've gotten. We have more money now. We have more education. Yeah. But then when they're back in the neighborhood, they're just they're being just their wildest back, yeah. selves. And they're, I remember my aunties would laugh so loud that my ears would hurt. Yeah. My ears like, just God, damn, like stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my ears hurt. You're yeah. laughing. It's great. <laughs> and you can't, but now like looking at that action, when someone's laughing so hard that other people's ears are hurt, is that work or is that play? You don't have to delineate it. That. Yeah. You don't have to. And that's that's what being intensely alive means. And when you break up a community, you're taking that away from them. Yeah. You're asking them to zombify themselves. 
and that that dehumanization and then you're blaming people for being whatever that's diagnosed as violence or diagnosed as madness or diagnosed as aloofness or diagnosed as racial but it's like that's systemic that's systemic violence if you're taken away from me my community you're that is systemically taken away from me my air that is right. a different kind of weaponization and you know like you know it's, it's amazing that you say that we talked about a lot of biases today mm. um and i was just yeah. thinking back to like what what you know and and this is uh and, and will you could touch up on that too um you know like as a dude like a man uh who grew up in a masculine culture, born in a masculine culture, moved to a masculine culture. Um, I was just trying to like go back and check what biases I had, right? And even, you know, talking with Peter, and Peter is our coworker, shout out to Peter. Peter! Um, and just learning, right? Because the LGBTQ community, um, I, I'm still learning, right, about that. And just asking him to explain a lot of things about that that acronym and then he added the word allies to it right and that was really cool because you know even though i don't identify as one i have a lot of loved ones who do and you know i consider myself an ally of that and just learning those biases that i might have coming into that situation you know, like, and, and in today's conversation around that, I felt like I was growing, right? And 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 to me, every birthday is not, like, a time to go and, and celebrate. To me, that's a time to reflect, right? And every new year is mm-hmm. a time for me to reflect. That's something I do diligently, and I've been doing for the last probably, like, 20 years, right? So for y'all, when you reflect, what are some of the things that go through your mind? And we have a couple of minutes left. So I want to make sure to, to let you know that. Um, give me that message, and then also give our listeners your last message for the day. Mm. Cool? Cool. All right. Let's do two minutes each. That's a each. great question. What do I, what goes through my mind when I reflect? Uh-huh. I'll just keep it simple. What can I learn that can help me grow to treat others better? Mm-hmm. That's the only question I need to ask. Yeah. Because what's going to make me feel better is making sure that num- the first question is answered. So, um, and the way that you are asking questions and, mm-hmm. and fielding this, you, I can tell that you are growing from these conversations mm-hmm. around. Definitely. Um, and I really admire that facilitating spirit. Um, and so I like to ask questions um, about myself so I can learn more about myself, but then ask others about things that I I can accept I don't know about that. Right. It's hard to to accept that you don't know. Right. I think that's a really difficult thing. Um but when I when I do accept that, I feel better because that's the beginning of me being able to learn. Right. And what's your last message to people for today? My last message to people listen to music that makes you feel good and listen to music that makes other people feel good listen to different types of music I'm just, I'll leave it at that listen to, listen to a lot of different types of music thank you Miriam thank you for that um, I think it's a for me I, I think I reflect a lot on knowing and not knowing knowing and unknowing especially those days and you know integrating different ways of knowing so like being swir- spiritual being um part of different communities intellectual also taking a break and realizing the breaks are part of knowing and resting and um and how to instill when it comes to my my role as an educator it's something that I work on every day within myself and I work on it with my students which is how to you know it's a it sounds like a simple idea but it, it can be so radical like how how can my students see themselves as international or internationalist leaders because they know their local environments? Those systems are very interconnected and their effect, their output in the world is interconnected, if anything, because we're moving, you know? Yeah. Um, and how to really have them know that, oh, well, I can't, I can't look at the outside because I only got to take care of the inside. Actually, that's a, I got to take care of the inside is a great start, but know that you're also taking care of the outside simultaneously. Mm. You know, there is no outside. It's a very, 
uh, unfortunately, the, the systems of oppression are just as interconnected as the power, the networks of power that people can create and the networks of love that people can create. Mm. It's inseparable. It's yeah. inseparable. Yeah. And as much of a mind leap as it can be to see how the oppressions can be interconnected, it's also equally just heart melting to see how the the creativity is interconnected. Mm-hmm. And I think for our last message that I would leave people with, it's um, maybe coming back to the note of voting. Whenever an action like voting takes root and like blows up like that, to see that as part of the people and not the opposite. The people are not here to vote. The vote is here to serve the people. Mm-hmm. If we find that struggle ineffective, if some people are finding it ineffective, let them explore that. If you feel like they're finding it effective, then talk about that, but talk about that from the heart, from the heart of creating a group of people, like creating creating just radical love. Mm. Sometimes giving someone a gift is that radical love. Sometimes that's your vote. Sometimes going to the protest is your radical love. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel bad saying that maybe on the radio, but sometimes I feel like my student shoplifting, that was the radical love. <laughs> They're saying yeah. this is theft. How much are you charging me for this and why? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there are many different acts of, of love and of radical love is revolution. And that takes many roots. And putting that first, I feel like our tactics will become a lot more love and a lot more actually convincing than having some sort of... Um, reward and punish like if you're not doing that you're not with it and it's like uh, uh-huh. you don't know what kind of perspective I have on that you know let's yeah. put the love first yeah Yeah. well you know thank you too so much uh, for your perspective appreciate y'all coming here and blessing us with your presence um, um, we're gonna be listening to Shade one of my favorites if not the favorite uh, and the song is called Keep Looking um, Portland uh, remember to love ask questions when you don't know uh, but more importantly, listen to understand, not to reply. Um, this been an amazing episode of Keeping It Real. Uh, this is your host, Aron. Shout out to Nick Deasy. Uh, remember that we are having a visual for Mulugeta Tuesday at 9 a.m. If, if you need any more information, look up Urban League on Facebook. Thank you, Delphine. KBOO supporters, we apologize for the nonsensical on-air acknowledgments that have aired after recent membership drives. We assure you that those responsible have been dealt with appropriately, and the spot they conceived for this promo will never air. Please enjoy this message instead. On behalf of the entire KBOO community, we'd like to offer our deepest and sincerest thanks for your contribution to KBOO's Give Guide campaign. Your support makes KBOO possible. Thank you. Ah, free of complexity, controversy, and most importantly, hawk screeches. Support KBOO, or music makes the movement. Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the third annual David Bowie Memorial Bike Ride on his birthday, Tuesday, January 8th. Come ride your bike around Portland with Diablo as we celebrate the life and music of David Bowie at the mobile dance party and sing-along. Again, that's the third annual David Bowie Memorial Bike Ride 
at 8 p.m. on January 8th at the corner of Southwest Broadway and Main in downtown Portland near the Schnitzer. More information can be found on the cable website under Community Events. Get home from school. Our dad said we're all going to be driving. Double feature with a monkey's uncle and the monster's got home. You wanna go? I said no thanks. I can think it's about summer. It's almost here. That means I get to spend some time with my lover. Yeah, he's a real good. It's his long hair, thanks, and beetle boots. I'm going to the battle of the garages tonight. His fans play. As I'm getting ready, I'll have to think about tonight. I can just feel the vibrations, I can see the psychedelic colors, and I can hear the music. Oh, what's that, honey? Oh, you want to know the best way to hold a man? Mmm, the best way to hold a man is in your arms. Oh, yeah. Like I always say, it's not the men in your life that counts, it's the life in your men. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a story, every girl ought to know, how if you want a little love, 